1: So it's the Detroit Podcast. Back out the Smart. Fakes the pass all the time. Three. Bang! It's Williams straight. Bobs it up for Robert Williams. Oh. Shouldn't he go? Taylor Brown. What oh. a go to Tatum. Durant the long reach. Tatum crossover. Pull-up jumper.
0: What is up? Welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Jake Eisenberg, and I'm without my wingman today, so please bear with me as I try and guide this ship. But we are joined by a very special guest today. We're joined by Alex, the founder of Hawks Fan TV. Alex, how are you, mate? I'm
1: doing great, Jake. I
0: appreciate you having me on. Mate, no worries at all. Um, We were just chatting off mic, hearing how um, there's a lot of Aussie uh, Hawks fans as well, and how it's definitely... um, a global game and especially Aussies loving their loving their hoops. So it's good to hear you've got some Aussies in the in the Hawks corner as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah. We uh we, we have a, a loyal, faithful group down there. So um it's exciting to see.
0: Love it, love it. Um so Spoonie and I teased this series last episode, but in case if any of the listeners missed it, this is the first episode in a series where we get on the experts of the rival Eastern Conference teams to give us an update on their off season, the scouting report. Uh, how they stack up against the seas? Because uh, the the thinking is that you're just never gonna know how another team is going in as in depth as the fans and the people that cover those teams locally. Um, you know, as Celtics fans, we're watching every game, maybe even more than once, and um, we only see the Hawks a handful of times throughout the season. So we figured we'd get the um, the experts on to to run us through. Um, so let's just kick off. We'll do a, a Hawks vibe check. I mean, we had the, had the Eastern Conference Finals run uh, the year previous with high expectations coming in last season. Um, and then, I mean, you tell me, slightly disappointing season, I think, last last year. Um, what are the vibes coming out of the most recent season?
1: Yeah, so you hit the nail on the head, Jake. It, after that ECF run, obviously, we, we took uh, the East by storm, that playoff run, and a lot of people were expecting us to lose in the first round. Uh, and we, we made, you know, two games away from from an NBA finals. Um, you know, I, the the hill that I'm willing to die on, Jake, is, you know, if Trey Young never got hurt in game four, I think we would have uh, we would have won that series. But hey, that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, uh, we, we had high hopes going into this this next season. And uh, it was definitely a disappointing season by all accounts, uh, simply because not because we lost in the first round by the Heat, because, you know, kudos to the mm-hmm. Heat. They're a great team uh as you guys know I mean you you guys went to game seven with them but uh it's it's how the season started and kind of just the the roller coaster ride of you know we would win some games lose some games and just hovering around that 500 mark for far too long and um you know we we had injuries we had COVID and this and that but you know that's part of the game and you know falling into the playing spot was definitely not where myself or a lot of Hawks fans had a set but you know, I think it was a good learning lesson for a lot of our younger guys, and um I, I'm hoping this is a good experience for them to to not take some of these regular season games lightly. So um I I have high hopes going to this next season. On paper, this is the best roster we've had in the Trey Young era. So a lot of high hopes.
0: I love it. Um yeah, I honestly it's it's quite comparable, I feel, to the Celtic season uh two years ago, the year that you guys made the conference finals, a lot of injuries, a lot of COVID hovering around that 500 mark um you know you get a little bit of momentum you lose a few you have too many uh, games to count that you could put in the worst loss of the season bucket um and i think that those two seasons were quite comparable and then you kind of reload in the off season and and i think you're right the this hawks team on paper looks really good going into the next season and We'll, we'll jump into that part. I mean, it's a massive overhaul for the um for the Hawks in Dejounte Murray, Justin Holiday, Aaron Holiday, Harkless, Kaminsky, drafted AJ Griffin, and then you send out Herder, Gallo, DeLon Wright, Lou Will, uh, Timothy Luawu Cabrera, and I'm still missing a few of the smaller moves as well. Um, obviously the headliner is the Dejounte Murray trade. What were your thoughts on the price it took to get Murray, and how do you kind of see the fit? with Murray and Trey and Murray with the Hawks?
1: I think for the pieces available, uh, I think DeJounte Murray in theory was arguably one of the best kind of combo guards we could have put next to Trey Young. So full stop right there. I think he, you know, he's arguably one of the best kind of two way guards in the league. Uh, And it's a shame that he played in San Antonio just because, you know, they don't have that much national exposure and uh, a lot of people don't realize how good DeJounte Murray is um, but no, I, I was ecstatic for the trade when when the reports first came out that we were trying to get him. Uh, it was it was shocking because, well, no, no team, no, no fan thought that DeJounte Murray was even available on the trade block uh, prior to those that news break. And so uh, when I saw that my Hawks were, were gunning for him, uh, this is the first time in a very long time. Uh, or you could actually rewind the clocks back. Oh, man uh i mean dwight howard wasn't even in his prime but as far as offseason <laughs> acquisitions in a trade this is the the first time probably in the last 10-15 years that the hawks have actually acquired a all-star guard still in his prime so uh two-way player great facilitator great in the mid-range uh and i think he's going to take a lot of that pressure off when teams try to double or triple team Trey, uh just because he's such a great ball handler so i think it was a great move jake Uh, As far as the price, you know, some people think it's an overpay, you know, three first round picks, a pick swap uh, and then Gallinari, of course, coming off the books Um, and in the market today. I mean, you saw what some of these other players are going for and uh, the asking price for some of these other stars. Now, granted, you could say that DeJounte Murray doesn't merit that type of haul. But when you look at what he can do both on the offensive end and defensive end, I mean, he is all NBA defense on his resume, led this uh, league in steals last year, you know, averaged damn near a, a 20 point triple double uh, and still gotten the playing in the West. So um, I, I don't think it's an overpay. Uh, I, I would much have rather gotten the proven player in the NBA versus, you know, holding on to draft picks that you don't even know what they're going to develop into. Uh, so I, I think the move was good and it was it was necessary for this team to make that change.
0: Yeah, I look, I, the, the price is high, but that's the price at the moment in the NBA. You see what Rudy Gobert goes for. I mean, it's just outrageous. And I think, well, obviously, like, there's risk to any move when you're moving out, even just one draft pick, but especially multiple. But I think you're 100% right. It's worth it's worth the risk in this situation. I, I really, I it's, it's an interesting fit, and you never know how it's quite going to work once the ball starts bouncing. But I, in theory, like the fit a lot. And I like what it means for the development of Trey. Um, I mean, Trey Young, he's already proven to be one of the best offensive players in the league, not just one of the best point guards in the league, but one of the best offensive players in the league this early in his career. Like, absolutely, man, he is, he is a maestro uh, in the, in the offense. And but one piece of the, of the offense that I think's missing. And you can probably speak to this as well is, is the off ball stuff. And, and, you know, the the easy comparison with Trey has always been the Steph Curry stuff. And um, the biggest difference to me has always been the, the off-ball impact. And I mean, Steph Curry's the best off-ball player of all time. He's so good off-ball that the rest of his game becomes underrated. But I, what I think this can do yeah, for I Trey agree. and for the Hawks, yeah, right? Um, what I think this can do for Trey and the Hawks is that it, it's going to give Trey at least um, the option to to work off-ball and develop that skill set. Like I was looking at um, some stats that Max um, uh, Liz- at Lisbon or team and just looking at total pick and roll usage last season and points per possession. Um, and Trey wasn't in the top 10, which surprised me because he's that good um, in the pick and roll. But then you look at the volume of pick and roll. So Bronson was first at 1.056 points per possession and he, he only ran 393 pick and rolls. Whereas Trey Young's running 1,066. And the next closest player on that list is Luca at 844, who I think would have caught him because Trey, I mean, it would have been closer at least because Trey played 11 more games. But one, I mean, it's good offense. Trey was like just outside the top 10. But when you look at the volume of the pick and rolls and how successful still, they still are, like it's great offense. So you run that. But I think bringing in DeJounte, giving Trey now the option. And the ability to develop that part of his game can be really good, not just for this season, but I think it's a worthy investment for to bring Dejounte in. But an underrated aspect of bringing Dejounte in is the development of Trey Young's um, overall game. What do you What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, Jake. Um, and, and funny enough, if and not people don't know this, but Trey has been very vocal about wanting to play more off ball. Uh, however, we just haven't had the personnel to, to actually be able to maximize that uh, because when you look at the roster in the Trey Young era uh, you haven't had many you know competent ball handlers outside of Trey I mean so when you look at just the roster construction um, and when you bring in a player like DeJounte who's a proven ball handler I mean he was top five in assists and playmaking last year so I think that's going to be tremendous Uh, Trey I think last I saw he was shooting like 46 47 percent from three on catch and shoot opportunities so he he's basically money when it comes to, you know, those open looks. Uh, and when you bring in someone like DeJounte, I think that's really going to unlock that. And same with DeJounte, too, vice versa. And I think the biggest knock with him is, you know, he can do all these great things, but a lot of people like to nitpick on that three-point percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, when you look at Trey's first couple of years in the league, he was shooting mid-32, 33% from three, not because he was a bad three-point shooter, but You know, the degree of difficulty and the types of threes that he was taking was was all self-created, you know, highly contested threes, because, quite frankly, no one else could could play make. So I think uh, they're going to help each other tremendously off both off ball uh, and developing that part of the game. And I'm excited to see it because because Trey definitely wants to do that. And I think this is finally the first season going into year five that we'll be able to see that on full display.
0: Yeah, I I think people do get so caught up in that three-point percentage where they forget about the rest of the game. And Dejounte Murray is someone that doesn't really need to hit threes in order to be incredibly impactful. Like he does everything, and I think that Spurs culture, um, similar to what we saw with Derek White, like he couldn't hit a shot for like three months, he was still really impactful. All the metrics pointed to him being an impactful player on both ends of the court. And Dejounte Murray is a a better player and an all star version kind of, um, of Derek White. And yeah, you can get caught up in the 33% uh, three point shot, which, you know, could easily, could easily hop up. Still, still a young player. Um, but everything that he brings to the table on both ends, I think, um, is really exciting for, for the Hawks. Now, Murray has been in the news a little bit this week, but going back and forth with Paolo, banging dudes on the head, <laughs> um, at pickup games where, <laughs> What what are our thoughts on on Dejounte's um, off season so far?
1: Oh man, uh, I, I had a feeling you were going to bring that up. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been polarizing, right? Just when you see people on Twitter and social media react, You know, some people love it, some people hate it. They think he's corny, whatever the case may be. Personally, Jake, I I love it. I can't get more. I can't I, <laughs> I, I can't ask for more because you know the Haw- Hawks players in the past. We've been missing uh, players like DeJounte that, that play with that edge, that play with a little bit of tenacity and attitude. And, uh, I mean, you could even make a case that a, a lot of our players are, are quote-unquote nice guys, right? So, um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of op- opposing teams take advantage of that. Um, and when you look at some of the, the, the better teams in the landscape of the NBA, I mean, I mean, you guys should know firsthand, you, you know, you have Marcus Smart and players like that that just play with that dog mentality. Yep. And I think DeJounte... Brings uh, that, so I love it, and, and I can't wait to see uh, you know him in action in the regular season.
0: Yeah, look, it's a, it's it's a peak off-season topic, that's for sure. Um, and that's the first thing that popped into my mind uh, was Marcus Smart. Like you, you just need a guy on your team like that that's going to fire everybody up and bring people up to his level. And Marcus Smart's been doing that for the Celtics for ten years almost now. So um, yeah, I love I I like it. I like a little bit of pettiness. And look, you know, is is Dejounte putting a tiger on his back for the Magic? Maybe, but I mean, I don't think the Hawks are too worried about um, the big bad Orlando Magic coming to get them this next season.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, absolutely not. Uh, we, we definitely have our, our sights a little higher than the Orlando Magic. No disrespect yep. to them. I think they're going to be a, a good competitive young team in the future. But yeah, yeah, not, not worried about them right now. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Exactly. All right. Um, Now, moving on to maybe the next biggest move for the Hawks in the offseason, the Kevin Herter trade. Um, Herter for Mohawkless, Justin Holliday, and a protected first round pick. Um, I mean, look, I was always been a big uh, red velvet guy, um, and I can imagine that it was another polarizing move for the Hawks. Um, Anytime you draft a player that turns into a legitimately quality starter in the in the NBA. Um, it's gonna hurt to lose that player just because you you form that emotional attachment. So I don't know what's what's the vibe on on this one.
1: Yeah, you know I I hate to see Red Velvet leave, and and it's funny I, I know a couple <laughs> of Celtics fans um wanted Kevin Herter yep. too, and and you guys like him up there, but uh yeah, I mean he he's a six seven versatile wing um you know athletic and shoot from three and. He was definitely a big piece to this team and and I was hoping we could hold on to him because uh, when you look at it just in in a vacuum, you know Kevin Herter is definitely better than Justin Holiday or Aaron Holiday or mo Harkless uh, respectively. Um, but I think it was a move a to to shed some salary, but also to to bring in more defensive pieces, right? Because the one knock on Kevin Herter is he can have moments where he plays really good defense, and then, you know, most of the time though he, he's getting beat or he's a little weak when he when it comes to his, his frame even though he's tall and athletic he, he's a little bit uh a little bit too skinny sometimes to play that 3 slot uh so really it's really playing that shooting guard position and uh, we definitely are going to miss his his spacing and missing his scoring ability uh but you know i think it was a move necessary just because of you know how bad we were defensively last year and when you bring in the holiday brothers who uh definitely add a little bit extra on the defensive end especially Justin Holiday I think uh it's going to mesh well with you know the players that we do have on the offensive end to kind of counteract you know Kevin Herder's 12 13 points that we're going to miss
0: yeah yeah exactly I think the Hawks can you know they they can stand to lose a little bit on offense I mean they were second in offense last season like that's that's seriously impressive but as you said they were 26th in defensive rating last season so you you send out Herder um, and we'll get to Gallo in a sec, um, but you bring in Mohawkless, Holiday, and DeJounte, all defensive upgrades. Um, and I think, you know, we've already talked about how great Trey is offensively. I think when you've got Trey on your team, we're going to see a little bit this year, but I think, I, I think the floor kind of feels like top 10 offense when you've got a guy like that um, orchestrating your offense. So I think you can stand to lose a little bit offensively when you're bringing in some defensive upgrades. Um, so Gallo... Another offensive piece that um came that went out last season. Um, obviously coming to the Celtics on the mid-level exception on a two-year deal. Um, so what, what's what's the scouting report on Gallo? What can we expect from the the big Italian at this point in his career? Oh
1: man, it, it was tough to see Gallo, <laughs> you know, leave us. Uh, the the Italian stallion rooster. He, um, <laughs> it, it was pretty much it, it was inevitable, Jake, that that he wasn't going to play his final year of the contract, and this was mm. pretty much. You know, a telltale sign even when we first signed him. But uh the scouting report, first and foremost, I mean he he's still one of uh the best scoring big men coming off the bench in the league, in my opinion. And he's still a serviceable even starting four uh in this league, just because he's just that good of a shooter. Uh, you know, he's great in the mid mid to low post. Uh but my favorite quality about Gallo is is his ability to get to the line. You know, that's that's a very underrated aspect of his game. And You know, he does this move where he pump fakes, you know, two or three times to get his defender in the air and then he'll just kind of throw his big body in there uh, and usually converts an and one opportunity. But but, you know, at the least he's getting to the line. So uh, he was honestly probably our best post scorer the past two years, Uh, our best option uh, in in the post, just feed him and, and see what he can do. And you guys are Celtics fans. You obviously saw that one game uh, last year when when he blew yep. all up for ten threes, uh, at the franchise record. So he can still have moments like that. Um, and and he had some big moments for us in the playoffs when we made the Eastern Conference Finals. And uh, he's he's just a he, he's just a certified professional scorer. Now, with that said, uh, <laughs> he, he is one big.
0: Monster. No, stop! One, don't one don't, keep don't keep going! Don't keep going!
1: No, uh, you know, he's great offensively, can space the floor and get to the free throw line. But, you know, he, he's a uh, he's a turnstile on defense, unfortunately. And, um, you know, that's why sometimes we couldn't play him in certain lineups just because he, he would just get consistently beat. Uh, and, and even, you know, when when a perimeter player would get beat uh, initially, you know, he has absolutely zero rim protection. He's not even going to contest at the rim. So if if Gallo's your last line of defense and you have a player driving to the rim, he's not even going to jump. So be prepared for that. And uh yeah, he's going to get burnt a lot on on the defensive end, but I think he makes up for it with with his scoring and shooting ability.
0: Yeah, oh well, look, we we're, we're definitely clipping the first half of that. There's there's absolutely no question. Um we love to hear, <laughs> hear, hear 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 all of that. Um yeah, and I think that's that's what we we expect, right? I mean, fuck Brad Stevens saw Gallo hit 10 threes and he was like, oh, we've got to get this guy in here. Um, but yeah, I think that's what he does. That's what he's always done. Uh, he's going to be a little bit of a scoring punch off the off the bench that can help lighten the load a little bit scoring-wise for the Jays. Um, and defensively, yeah, you, you know, anyone that's coming in on the mid-level, they're not going to be a perfect player. Um, and defensively is obviously where those flaws lie. Um, but when you bring him into a team like the Celtics, that's just loaded with defensive talent. You know, you can run lineups where he's the only bad defender on, on the court and everybody else can kind of cover for him. So I think, um, a combination of not having to play him too much. Yep. And then surrounding him with, um, legitimate defensive talent will kind of, uh, balance that kind of stuff out. But yeah, um, having legitimate bench scoring off the, off the bench for the Celtics, um, was a whole, was a, was an issue for them last, Last off season, our last playoff, so um, very exciting for the Celtics. Um, overall off season grade for the for the Hawks. What are you thinking?
1: I mean, I kind of have to say this just because, uh, as I alluded to earlier, Jake. I mean, we haven't acquired a All Star player, you know, in his prime, going into his prime in in over a decade, maybe two decades. So because of that move, it, it kind of shows the new regime and the the leadership in in Atlanta that you know we're willing to push the chips into the table and. Uh because of that, um I, I have to respect it and, and we've been begging for another all-star to pair next to Trey. So because of that, I'll give it a modest A minus.
0: Love it. Love it. okay, good. That was, that's a nice balance, you know, not too homery, not A plus. Um, fair grade. Yeah, look, I, I, I really like the offseason. As I was kinda doing some prep for the podcast, the more I was kinda diving into it, the more it made sense to me. Um yeah, so yeah, I'll I'll give him I'll give him a I'll give him a A minus as well. Um just so I don't have any any Hawks fans coming after me too hard after this one um <laughs> but you know great 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 off season um but what are the expectations I guess going into going into the next season? The over under for the Hawks is forty seven and a half that's the fifth highest over under total in the Eastern Conference ahead of Chicago, Toronto, and Cleveland, who I think a lot of people probably have um those teams kind of in a in a tier together. So what's what are what are the expectations going into up next season?
1: Yeah, I was I was very impressed and surprised with that with that line when it first came out, um, and, and I think that's r- really on the money there, uh, Jake. Uh, Forty seven wins. Um, I, I think it's tough to predict just because the the East is so good this year, as you know, and mm. uh, it's going to be tough. You know, even teams getting fifty plus wins. Uh, I think the expectation for us, though, when you look at Kind of the people that we brought in and you know, Trey Young and and a lot of these guys that we've drafted, you know, finally going into closer to their prime years. Uh and in my opinion, I think we have the best backcourt in the in the Eastern Conference with, with those two stars. Um so with that, I'd say the expectation is at least a top six seed and avoid the play in. That if, if I think if we got anything under a six seed, I think that would be disappointing in my opinion. Um, it's going to be tough getting a top three or four seed, but I could definitely see five or six uh, going into this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that that four seed is potentially up for grabs. Um, you know, I don't I love doubting Miami, but I have loved their offseason. Um, but yeah, I think this is this is a good spot for Atlanta and something that I think I'm sure Hawks fans have been all over this offseason that's probably flying a little bit under the radar And something that I've been talking about for the Celtics is they have a lot of young players, and a lot and young players get better. DeAndre Hunter and Onyeka Okongu, um, I'm 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 expecting big years from them. I feel like Hunter and um, Onyeka have had kind of tough starts injury wise to their careers and their playing time things like that. So I could see big years for those guys, and if though especially Hunter, who I really like, and some people see. Um, being able to take like legitimate steps as like a wing creator as well. If you get big steps from those guys, I think that's where where the ceiling comes in. Um, and then and then the 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 floor side of things is I, I'm just interested to see um, defensively how how they're able to improve. Like I, obviously they've brought in a lot of these pieces. I think that's going to be the biggest question for me is how much better can they get. On defense but maybe yeah what do you what do you think about um hunter and onyeka coming into next year
1: oh man you, you you're you're speaking my language jake uh i'm <laughs> a big big i'm very high on deandre hunter and onyeka kong going into this season and like you said uh tra- this is the first fully healthy off season that deandre hunter has had uh, in his nba career uh, he he dealt with injury in his rookie year then he had the covet season uh, and then he was coming off a, a knee surgery uh, last year. So this is the first fully healthy offseason. And that's partly why we haven't come to an extension with him, because this is the last year of his rookie deal. Uh, but, you know, when you look at the landscape of the league, you know, every good team, elite team has, you know, a, a very good, you know, kind of wing player. Right. That that three uh, small forward position. And DeAndre Hunter has shown lots of flashes, especially in his sophomore season. Uh, before his injury, you know, there was a stretch of 18 games uh, in his second year where he was arguably our best player, including Trey Young. Uh, He shot, you know, the second best mid-range shooting percentage only behind KD before that injury. Um, But I have really high hopes, man. And I think DeAndre Hunter is the X factor going into this season. If he can really take that big leap and, uh, you know, and I don't want to say he needs to be as good as, you know, uh, you know, see a Jalen Brown type of improvement. But if we can get slightly under that, if he can just be a, an above average three where he's, uh, you know, good defensively. And I think bringing in DeJounte Murray is going to help a lot of that because DeAndre was forced to guard the opposition's best perimeter player. Uh, that that took a lot from his offense. But when you have DeJounte now, he can, you know, be our best POA defender on the perimeter. DeAndre can kind of lessen that workload and really uh, focus on the offensive end. I think that's going to be huge for him. Um, I think if we see eighteen to nineteen points per game from DeAndre on good efficiency and, and good defense, I think that's really going to take this Hawks team to that next upper echelon of, of elite Eastern Conference team. So I have high hopes for him. Onyeka um, you know, he's aside. Obviously, he's a little undersized. You know, he's at six nine as a center mm-hmm. in the NBA, but he's so good defensively with his versatility. And uh, being able to switch multiple positions, you know, he could guard two through five. Uh, and you saw a glimpse of him uh, in that Eastern Conference run where he was shutting down, you know, Joel Embiid and even Giannis. Yep. at Sometimes it was beautiful to see. Uh, so I think they're both going to have massive years this year. Um, and, and Onyek is actually even working on his uh, on his mid range and three point game. And you know, it's mm-hmm. funny in his press conference uh, at the very end of the season when we lost to the Heat, he came back and, and he told us, you know, next season. We're going to see him with the jump shot. So I'm, I'm seeing if that actually materializes and, and how good that mm-hmm. can improve. But if he can develop a consistent kind of 15 to 18 foot mid-range shot, I think that's going to make him uh, even better because uh, I think he has potential to be, you know, all NBA level defense uh, right now. Uh, it's his offense that we need to see a little bit improvement on. But uh, I'm, I'm excited mm-hmm. for both of them. If, if they can take big leaps next year, I think this team could sniff, you know, a top three, four seed for sure.
0: Man, this this is why I love having on the experts. You know those those mid range nuggets for DeAndre and the the Aneka nuggets as well. And so when Celtics fans, when we play the Hawks next year, and DeAndre Hunter and Anyeka are playing incredibly well, and we're like, are you seeing tweets where are these guys having the game of their lives against the Celtics? Yada yada. It's like no, nope. Hawks fans saw this coming. These guys are locked in. <laughs> we and, and it was expected, you know, you know, because
1: you know, yes, sir, yes, often, yes, sir. you know you.
0: You know you play you play a random team you're not locked in on, and some guy goes off and you're like, "This is what this guy does this is what this guy does all righty um switching gears a little bit here um put it on your 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 little celtics hat um what did you think of the c's run to the finals last year um any surprises for you throughout that run um who impressed you uh anything like that
1: yeah uh so at it's funny because the Celtics and the Hawks, you know, we we dealt with the same frustration because I know a lot of Celtics fans knew you guys had a lot of potential, but you guys were were hovering around that 500 mark for the longest time. And then mm-hmm. there's something that shifted and you guys just went on a crazy tear in the second half of the season. Um, it, it was a little surprising to see that type of run. Um, and on it, quite honestly, you know, I, I underestimated a, a few of your players, mainly Marcus Smart, uh I, I'm I'm no longer a Marcus Smart doubter, even though I hate the guy. So don't don't get me wrong. I, I hate the guy. I, I would love him on I would love him on my team. But no, he he really um proved to me that no he 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 deserves to be in this league. But no uh, the Celtics are a good team and, and you know, like you said, I think it starts on the defensive end when you have players like Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and Robert Williams and you know, you brought in Derek White, who I, I was advocating the Hawks should trade for last off uh, trade deadline. Mm-hmm. It's funny that we now got DeJounte Murray, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Jason Tatum. So you guys have a lot of, you know, good defensive pieces, but then, you know, Jason Tatum and and, and Jalen Brown kind of taking that leap as well. Um, it, it was surprising, but, you know, I, I think where you guys are at now, I think this should be kind of the norm for y'all moving forward, you know, granted that these guys stick together and uh, you, mm-hmm. you see no setbacks but I think I think the Celtics for the next you know five six years are going to be you know right at the top of Eastern Conference um, I, I would not be surprised by that now of course we have to see what what happens because uh, not all progression is linear and, and may, maybe you the know? finals run was was a little bit fluky but I don't think it was but uh, I think the Celtics are definitely going to be you know a top two three seed a mm-hmm. uh, three seed I think is is like the last like furthest I would go. But I think a a top one or two seed is is more realistic for you guys. Uh, And I'm excited to see what you guys do. Um, You know, it's uh, I'm I'm hoping if our Hawks can improve and we'll see some of these other players develop. I'm I'm hoping we can kind of uh, reignite that rivalry that that we've had Mm -hmm. in the past. And um, yeah, it'll be a fun series going forward just because a lot of your best players are relatively the same match as a lot of our best players. And and it'll be exciting matchup, you know, for years to come.
0: Yeah, it's 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 been a fun matchup in the regular season. The last couple of years, uh, we haven't been able to to match up in the playoffs quite yet. But um, I I I think it's coming. I think it's coming. Um, yeah, I'm look the the turnaround, man. Like watching some of the the Hawks games, and I was watching some of the the Celtics versus the Cavs games from earlier in the year, and uh, it's hard to believe that they're the same season. Uh, and how much I've kind of compartmentalized anything that happened before. Like 2022, because reliving some of that stuff was like PTSD. Um, and it, it was, it's crazy how, um, something can just click with a team and, um, and then you're off to the races. Um, so what did, what did you think of the off, off, off season additions of Brogdon? And we already touched on, on Gallo, but I guess, I guess Brogdon.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if Brogdon stays healthy, I think that's going to be a huge, huge, uh, acquisition and, um, and and remind me, Jake, who was y'all's starting back? Was it Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown? Was that the lineup you guys were running? Uh, yeah,
0: Marcus. Yeah, I, was, yeah, I was, yeah, correct, correct. So Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. I was, was going to pull you up on it earlier, with Dejounte and Trey being the best backcourt in the league. But you know, we'll you're a guest. We'll 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 say it's tied first for now.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> when you bring in that, and then was it Jason Tatum at the three, and then uh. Al Horford at the four and then what Robert Williams at the five was that your main go-to lineup yeah okay so yeah when you bring in someone like Brogdon it's it's going to be interesting to see because you know personally I think a healthy Malcolm Brogdon is uh it's tough because he's also you know people forget he's really good defensively too you know he's really good defensively um and he's just been battling injuries and and you know he he's a he's one of the few players that has a 50-40-90 season under his belt. So I, I, I'm actually very high on Malcolm Brogdon, and I think he's a much better player offensively than Marcus Smart. Um, so I could I could see scenarios where you guys run you know Smart and Brogdon at the 1 and 2, and then Jalen at the 3, Tatum at the 4, and then whoever at the 5, and that's a really good 1-4 through four lineup. Um, yeah, it's going to be scary. I mean, if Malcolm Brogdon stays healthy and, and he can kind of go back to what he's done in the past uh, when he was on the Pacers and things like that, I think you guys have definitely improved just by adding that. Uh, But the big question mark is his health. Um, He hasn't been able to stay healthy for a long time. So um, even, even without that, let's just pretend Malcolm Brogdon did get hurt or he was never on the team. I think you guys are still good enough, you know, with, with the core guys that you have to still be competitive in the East. So, um, but no Gallinari Brogdon, I think it was a good move. And, um, I, I would give you yeah I mean you guys made really good off-season acquisitions it's it's uh, you can't hate on that
0: Yeah yeah I think obviously the big question with Brogdon is the is the injury stuff um obviously but I think bringing him in as you know um I've been banging the table if you want to make some money this season Malcolm Brogdon for a six man of the year is sitting sitting there at 15 to 1 um but yeah you, you limit his minutes you try and get him back to what he was doing in Milwaukee where he was playing um some more games um, yeah, you just keep those minutes down, and and you try and preserve him for the playoffs. But yeah, the, the, that's the lineup that I'm very excited for because um, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Jalen, Jason, and one of Al Horford or Rob was really good. But the the only downside to that was Derek White's offense kind of comes and goes. Versus you replace him with Malcolm Brogdon, one of and you know, a much much better offensive player. You you're pretty elite on on both ends of the court. So. That lineup I think has the potential to pretty, to be pretty deadly. Um all righty. Looking ahead looking ahead to um next season, let's say um the Celtics are the two seed, the Hawks have a big year and they make it to the three seed, it's a second round, we finally get the series that we've been talking about. Um, how are we thinking this goes? What are what are we thinking in the matchups? We've got the two best backcourts in the league, uh, uh in the East going at it. uh what do you reckon?
1: Yeah, it's it's that's going to be an exciting matchup. I think it's, I mean, hell, if we're a top three seed, uh, that obviously means that DeAndre Hunter took a really big leap, mm-hmm. or you know, Trey and Dejounte just went crazy and, and are averaging thirty points each game. So, um, but it, you know, I think the former is a lot more realistic. I think as far as matchups go, you know, yeah, you would put Trey on Marcus Smart, uh, Dejounte Murray probably on. Jalen Brown, and then you would put DeAndre, of course, on Tatum. Uh John Collins would be on Al Horford, and then yeah, Clint Capella on Robert Williams. Um yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting. So when you not- when you look at the backcourt scenario, you know, and, and no disrespect to to Marcus Smarter or Jalen Brown, I think out of the four, you know, Stray, DeJounte, Marcus, and Jalen, I think there there's one player that's Tiers above all, all four of them, and that's of course Trae Young, the All NBA player. So I think he's he's significantly better, uh, in my opinion, than any of those other three players. And I think you could, you know, Dejounte Smart and Jalen, I think, are roughly kind of in that same tier almost. Um, And I I think that backcourt would be would be leaning more towards Trae Young and Dejounte Murray, in my opinion. I think they're just they're the more talented group out of out of that four. So I would give a slight edge in the backcourt to the Trae Young and DeJounte Murray squad. And then, obviously, Jason Tatum is better than DeAndre Hunter. So that's a clear, <laughs> you know, win for you guys at the three. And then, and when you look at the front court, I mean, Al Horford went... He, he had an outer body experience last year, in my opinion. Because <laughs> uh, Al Horford is... I mean, we drafted him. He, he played most of his career in Atlanta, and I was a big Al Horford yeah. fan, so I... I Uh, watched a lot of his games and um, with his age, I I just don't know if we're going to, if he's going to be able to replicate what he did last year again, but who knows? Maybe he does. Um, And then Robert Williams. I I mean, you could argue, you know, a healthy Clint Capella who a lot of people forget before his injury, he was a top five defensive player of the year candidate, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, led the league in blocks and rebounds uh, that year that we made the Eastern conference finals. And it was really the anchor uh, and, and rim protector that this team needed. Uh so I think you know that could be a wash and I think when you look at someone like John Collins who's a efficient, you know, eighteen point per game, you know, eight nine rebound a game on really good efficiency. You could even argue, you know, John Collins and Clint Capella is a better front court than you know Al Horford and Robert, Robert Williams.
0: Um okay, here But we again,
1: I, I wouldn't, I'll, <laughs> but I'll 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 defer to you, Jake. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll go we'll go we'll we'll leave it at that. Yeah.
0: Um yeah, I mean, I think similar to the Hawks in the sense that DeAndre Hunter is kind of the X factor for the Hawks. Um I would say Robert Williams is the X factor for the Celtics and last year was kind of his his breakout year obviously um where he played big minutes um and he was you know on all, all defensive team um and he and it was really just his first year playing like legitimate minutes for a quality team and his impact is kind of absurd. Like when you look at the numbers um, on off with Rob Williams, um, when healthy, he's, he's an absolute monster. And so coming into next season with, with an off season under his, under his belt, able to go in there um, and work on a few bit, bit more of his offensive game, get the floater game going, things like that. Um, that's someone who I would, who I would caution for other teams um, when going up against the Celtics to not underestimate because um he kind of does stuff that that a lot of other humans and NBA players can't can't do. Um, yeah, I think it would be I think it would be a fun a fun matchup for sure. Like um, Trey Young versus Marcus Smart for seven games or however many games the series goes would just be. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> there's gonna be some hate coming out of um, of Twitter during that one. Absolutely, no <laughs> question. Like. Um, Trey, just absolute wizard, going against a defensive player of the year, I think, is a, um, a clash of the titans on on two ends of the floor. I mean, Trey obviously quite flawed defensively, um, and Marcus has his limitations on on offense as well. So, um, I think that would be a really fun um, fun battle. Um, I, I do have a question on Trey. Um, you know, as far as the the defensive limitation stuff, um, and watching Steph Curry in the finals, like you know his defensive ability has gotten better and better as his career has gone along and I think that's probably um when you look at the playoffs where I start to just feel a little bit of pause um for the Hawks just um, when you have a, a weak link quite like that on on your on your starting lineup or as your as your best player um what are your thoughts on Trey and his defense and how that fits into winning kind of at the highest level
1: yeah, you know it's it's no secret that that Trey is definitely um, has his deficiencies on the defensive end, and you know being a six one, you know one hundred and sixty pound player in the NBA is that's that's tough to t- t- tough to, to defend. You know a lot of these bigger, stronger guys, um, and that's that's all, obviously his number one knock is is the defensive liability. Um, and now, you know, as far as, you know, getting steals and, you know, poaching the passing lanes, I think he's pretty solid at that. But when it comes to just off-ball defense and, you know, on-ball defense, it's, you know, he, he does tend to get beat quite a bit. Um, and, you know, part of that is is effort. Part of that is just his size. Um, but I think it really boils down to the willingness to want to play defense. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, the Steph Curry thing, you know, you know, his first few years into the league, uh, he, he was... Uh, not good defensively. At least he was nowhere near the defender that he is now at his age. Um and I think Trey can kind of use that similar path and mold, you know, as he gets older and you know, people forget he's only twenty-three years old. So uh he's yep. still a, a child in my opinion. So as he matures <laughs> and builds out his brain more and adds more muscle, I think it's gonna be it, it's gonna bode well for him. And especially when you add a player like DeJounte to bring in that defensive first mentality, but also When you bring in DeJounte, now Trey can focus on not having to dribble the ball, you know, all four quarters game, not having to make plays for his teammates and exert all of his energy on the offensive end. So he's going to be able to, you know, reserve a lot of that uh, stamina on the defensive end now, now that we have DeJounte. So I think that's going to help tremendously as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, he's got to improve on the defensive end. There's no sugarcoating it. Um, and, and I think he knows it too. And he sees the tweets. He's very active on social media. People mm-hmm. like to knock him for his defense. Uh, so I think hopefully uh, he, he turns that corner and improves defensively. You know, I don't need to make, I don't need him to be an all NBA defender, but I need him to yeah. be at least a average defender in order for us to really take that leap. But yeah, uh, similar to kind of uh-huh. the Gallo thing. It's if you can surround him with four other mm-hmm. above average defenders and like De'Andre Clinton, Know JC or whoever we put at the four, I think that's going to help him out uh, and this team out a lot too. So if he's the only weak defender, I think we can get by with it just because of what he brings offensively. But we'll see.
0: Yeah, I think I think this year is going to be um, very informative um, from that perspective. Because yeah, as we already touched on, you know, we sent out you sent out Herder and Gallo, um, whose knocks are defense. And when you have three guys that are playing um, twenty five plus minutes that are all negatives on the on the defensive end that it's going to look worse for for someone like Trey and for someone like Trey where people like any superstar that's the day we live in any anything any glaring issue in their game i mean i'm i've been on twitter for uh 6 weeks now defending my boy Tatum for his um subpar uh finals any 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 superstar that has something that people can go after they're going to go after it um and so th- i think this is going to be a year that that Trey Young is going to have the the opportunity to kind of prove some of those those doubters wrong, um, and see kind of see what it looks like on the defensive end. Um, all right, we're coming towards the end here. A bit of fun um, that we're going to do as part of this series uh, is the Schadenfreude rankings. So, uh, for any listeners that don't know what Schadenfreude is, it's basically um when someone that you hate or dislike sports hate. No, we don't hate anyone. Um, sports hate when bad things happen to them. It makes you feel good. Um, for example, Celtics fans, um, <laughs> watching the Lakers um, and this Russell Westbrook experience um, has brought us a lot of joy. And it was probably the main thing that got me through the first half of the NBA season. And I think that's part of NBA fandom time now is not just loving your team, but um, kind of getting shots off at other teams as well. So um, where, where do this? and I know the Celtics aren't everybody's favorite team. Um, so where do Celtics rank, do you think, on – hawks fans schadenfreude list and how does that all work for hawks fans oh man <laughs> um I,
1: I i can't speak for for every hawks fan but I, I can say that a good majority of hawks fans don't like boston celtics fans or just the celtics yep. in general and, and <laughs> especially if you're a little bit younger uh you know even dating back to that 08 series where we took the celtics to seven games i think that's where it really started mm-hmm. and you know the whole KG and Zaza Pachulia beef. I mean, it was great to watch <laughs> yeah. it. I went to two of those home games live. And Amazing! You know, uh, at the time, it was it was incredible. Um, That's awesome for me. I mean, it, yeah, the Celtics are, are definitely high up there. I, I also take a lot of joy <laughs> in seeing just raptor Raptors and raptor fans just get embarrassed. So, but I think for me, you know, you mentioned that example, right? You, you love when a certain player does really bad or something bad happens to them. And don't don't hate me for this, Jake. But I I will say I <laughs> took a lot of enjoyment uh watching Andrew Wiggins uh you know mm. uh, take care of Jason Tatum <laughs> yeah. in that final series. You know, that was uh, quite brutal uh on that uh, on that front.
0: Yeah. Yeah, look, man, you, you all oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Hey look, if Jason's gonna cop it, I'm willing to take it too. Um, you know, if you're gonna dish it, you gotta be willing to take it. And something that I love about Tatum is that he's yeah you know, he's taken taken it uh on the chin uh this season and um yeah so that that's very understandable i'm I'm glad you have the same experience with raptors fans um like until I kind of hopped on twitter I kind of really got on twitter the last couple of years and um that really exposed me to the raptors online culture. I have no idea what it's kind of like more broadly, but um they're a very in- they have a very intense online presence, um, and we experienced that after a, a off, a, off a back-to-back, Celtics went up to Toronto and didn't bring Jalen, Jason, Horford, by missing someone else, and um, Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard took them to overtime, and um, Raptors fans flooded every mention, every YouTube comment about how we're, they're coming for us in the playoffs, um, and I find that they can be pretty toxic, so I do enjoy um, them losing because of their fans, but I kind of actually like a few of their players, so that's kind of a, um, a tricky balance for me. Uh, I, again, I, as you said, I can't speak for all Celtics fans, but for, for for me personally, it's like, you know, Lakers, but they're in the West, they're kind of always going to be number one. But for the Eastern Conference, it's Philly in a tier all by themselves. I love, 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 love <laughs> when bad things happen to them. And watching the Hawks take their soul last uh, two years ago in the playoffs – Honestly one of my, my favorite uh sporting moments, honestly. Like I'll never forget I was watching on League Pass and was it yeah, game game five in Philly. I forget which one which game it was in Philly, but um it was a big the big comeback and there was no there was it was silence and all I could hear was the stadium DJ playing apple bottom jeans as Trey Young just kind of paraded around the court and uh made me really happy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that that was a great moment. Uh, I, you know, Joel Embiid is is right up there for me in terms of just players that that I hate. Uh, but of course, like you said, on, on the basketball court, actually, no, you know what? I'm of not course. even a sugar. Girl. I think he's corny. <laughs> I'm, I, I think he's corny. Too. Um, and and uh, yeah, it, it was very it, it was very fun seeing just that whole process thing. You know, getting shut down to you know in, in round two. I loved it, but I think Raptors. The fan base definitely takes the cake for me in the eastern conference just because you know and, and you might call me crazy jake but i i mean i i think Kawhi. i mean Kawhi basically saved that franchise right i mean before Kawhi, yeah. you know they were consistent you know first second round exits for the entire demar derose and kyle lowry era and sure you can blame that on lebron james uh, or, or whatever <laughs> the case may be but you know no one really were scared of the raptors right then they managed to pull off that miraculous trade, get Kawhi Leonard, and they won a ring that year. And, you know, Raptors fans are talking like they, they're some historic franchise that won, you know, five, six, seven, eight different championships when, you know, quite frankly, historically speaking, they're just they've never really done anything except for that one title run. But um, I think Kawhi deserves a statue in Toronto. I think he's the greatest Raptor of all time. And, and he, he every every Toronto resident should be bowing down to Kawhi Leonard for that, that gift that he gave them.
0: Yeah. no. Yeah. I mean there's no question. I mean, it, they were LeBronto until Kawhi came in and saved them. This is good. Um we're going to do some good market research here with our guests and when I have a Raptors fan on, um I can present to them the results of the other teams and how um everybody uh, is feeling about them and see what they have to say about it. Um so I'm glad um episode 1 we're on we're on the same page with that. Um, getting get towards the end, just quick, quick thoughts. Um, I'm asking everybody that comes on this. Do you think the Celtics should trade for Kevin Durant?
1: No. Uh, I mean, if, if I'm a Celtics fan, I don't think I pull that trade, especially if the package is for, you know, Marcus Smart, yeah, Jalen but- Brown, and, you know, numerous picks, um, given K, now if it was a prime KD, then absolutely. I, mean, I yeah. think you can match him up with Tatum. Uh, and I think that's a no brainer, but, I think one of the reasons why what makes your team so good is that the depth and the versatility that Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and players like that bring. And I think you guys would actually get worse if you did make that trade. Now, for me, I would love if you made that trade. Go ahead, ship off (laughs) Jalen Brown and ship off Smart and all that. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think that's it's going to be funny. But no, from a Celtics perspective, I don't think you guys should make that trade.
0: Great. This is good. See, this is why we have. Other people on. See, Hawks fans don't. They want us to make the trade because it's going to make us worse. Um, I would say, well, this podcast in particular, uh, everybody here is in camp. Don't trade uh, Jalen for a KD. So I'm glad we're on the same page with that one. Um, any any final thoughts going into going into next season?
1: Don't be surprised. Trey Young, top five like, MVP candidate uh, going into next okay. season by season's end. That's my right, that's my hot half. take for uh, for this show, Jake.
0: Okay, I mean, I like it. I mean, you know, you know, Devin Booker was up there last year. I mean, look, and 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 we spoke about the if if they can kind of be a more average defensive team, I think that's going to make it a lot easier for um him to get into the conversation and just how good he is offensively. Yeah, no would wouldn't surprise me. I like that. I'm gonna have to check out the odds uh, on that one. Um, well, Alex, I mean, thank you so much for coming on. Um, really appreciate it. Um, anything to plug, I know follow follow Alex at um at HawksFan TV on Twitter, check out the website and all the great content they have there. But um yeah, anything else you guys got going on going into next season?
1: Yeah, no, I really appreciate you uh for, for having me on. Uh, yeah, as as you mentioned, you can check out all of our socials at HawksFan TV on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. Uh, and check out hawksfantv.com for all your latest kind of uh Hawks content and stories that we do. And just to answer your question, Jake, uh, Trey is is number 12 right now as far as MVP odds no. go. He's at plus four thousand, and okay. uh, right behind Devin Booker and LeBron James.
0: Hey, look, anytime, anytime this a forty to one that uh, seems relatively possible, you got to think about it. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, Alex. Appreciate having you on. And uh, uh, it's good to get the Hawks perspective. And I uh, wish you luck going into next year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's hope and pray that uh, both of our guys can stay healthy this season. So um, it's going to be a fun season. I can't wait. And um, yeah, I expect the, the Celtics to be competitive. Hopefully our Hawks can be right up there too.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Talk to you soon. Peace.